This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. Now on the news hour, homegrown connection, the prime suspect in the Pelosi attack and his roots in Powell River and... We all escaped the same oppression that we're seeing happen year after year to people on a regular basis. A human chain for human rights, the protest movement that spanned the Lionsgate Bridge and the country plus. The power's out, there's no power still. Get ready for round two with another windy soaker set to hit the south coast. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. How did the prime suspect in yesterday's vicious attack on Paul Pelosi end up allegedly inside the San Francisco home of the woman who was third in line for president of the United States from his roots? in Powell River. Tonight, we're learning more about David DePap and the apparent downward spiral that led the BC native landing behind bars. Kristen Robinson has our top story. Powell River, BC, with a population of just under 14,000, is where 42-year-old David DePap grew up. A former school guidance counselor remembers DePap as an ordinary teen. He was just your average student. Um... There was never any concern or problems that uh, we faced when dealing with David. DePap's stepfather here hasn't seen his stepson since 2003, but says as a child, he was quiet and never violent. He doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. 82-year-old Paul Pelosi managed to call 911 from his San Francisco home early Friday after DePap allegedly broke in and used a hammer to repeatedly strike the U.S. House Speaker's husband. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, took him into custody. Police say DePap intended to tie Paul Pelosi up and wait for Nancy Pelosi to arrive home. After smashing through the back door, he's accused of yelling, where's Nancy? An echo of what rioters said during the January 6th attack. Where are you, Nancy? We're looking for you. Our elected officials are here to do the business of their cities, their counties, their states, and this nation. Their families don't sign up for this to be harmed. And it is wrong. And everybody should be disgusted about what happened this morning. Social media posts show DePap spreading conspiracy theories about Holocaust denial, pedophiles in government, and claims Democratic officials run child sex rings. I feel sorry for the DePap family who are all fine, outstanding citizens in our community, and uh, that's uh, really a, uh, a shame. Negative, negative notoriety isn't always good. I feel really bad to hear that. Nancy Pelosi's house is under guard when she's home. This 2019 Google Street View image shows three black SUVs outside, but her husband doesn't get the same protective security detail. The House Speaker landed in San Francisco late Friday 
and went straight to hospital to visit her husband. Paul Pelosi is recovering after surgery to repair a skull fracture and other injuries. Powell River shaken, knowing one of their own is accused. I'm disgusted and horrified. It's a uh, disgrace and a black eye on this great place of Powell River. Kristen Robinson, Global News. To Kamloops, where a grisly discovery was made following an early morning structure fire just after 7.30 this morning. An officer on patrol spotted smoke and flames coming from a shed near a restaurant in the 100 block of Palm Street. Firefighters were able to quickly put out the flames, but while looking through the rubble, crews discovered a body. The coroner's service is now working to identify the individual. That investigation is ongoing and police are looking to speak with any witnesses. It was also a busy morning for fire crews in Kelowna, where three fires broke out at three separate homeless encampments. And it's likely we'll see more incidents like this in the weeks to come as temperatures drop and those living outside seek warmth. Victoria Famia reports. It's fires like these that are a cause for concern during the winter months. And now several more fires breaking out at Kelowna homeless camps are yet another reminder of the lengths those living on the streets have to go through just to keep warm. Early Saturday morning, between 6 and 7 a.m., the Kelowna Fire Department responded to two fires at two separate homeless encampments, and then a third just a few hours later. The first fire along the rail trail near Enterprise Way grew to 30 by 30 feet, drawing RCMP and bylaw officers to the scene. It has already been deemed suspicious. Uh, first arriving crews had a small brush fire. Uh, they advanced hose lines in in towards the creek area there and um, started extinguishing the fire and that's where they found in an encampment for uh, people experiencing homelessness. Just 30 minutes after that fire, another sparked along the 2300 block of Highway 97. The fire department says this blaze was small and around 10 people were at the camp when firefighters arrived. It is deemed as accidental. No injuries were reported in either fire. By 11 a.m., crews were out at a third blaze near Dollarama on Highway 97, also relatively small. Conditions are still very dry out there, um, so fires spark easily and they can spread quite quickly as well. So, Especially if we get uh, wind, which we've experienced the last couple days. As the weather continues to get colder in the Okanagan, those living on the streets are finding ways to stay warm, and that includes starting fires. It gets colder out and they tend to want to stay warm or in cook their food as well. So um, yeah, in past, like last year, we did notice a, an increase in those types of calls through the winter months for sure. These fires also come as staffing shortages are preventing a shelter on Bay Avenue and Ellis Street to open, leaving even more people living rough on the street. Kelowna's Gospel Mission Executive Director Carmen Rampel couldn't make herself available for an interview. However, in a statement, she told Global News, Every year when the weather turns cold, we see an increase in accidental fires in camps as people sleeping outside are desperate to keep warm. Our outreach team is receiving an increase in requests for blankets and cold weather clothing. She added that the mission continues to accept any donations of cash or winter clothing. Victoria Femia, Global News, Kelowna. 
And speaking of temperatures dropping, round two of an atmospheric river is set to hit the south coast this weekend, just a couple of days after the first one of the fall season blew through, causing widespread power outages. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with what to expect this weekend, Yvonne. Sarah, very similar to what we're seeing on Thursday. So we are going to see very wet and windy conditions. It's all courtesy of this atmospheric river. It'll take aim and the hardest hit areas will be right along the coast. Even the central and south coast is where we'll be tracking this. Now the timeline is overnight. It'll start to pick up heavy at times, continuing in towards the morning hours. So a heads up if you're leaving early in the morning for Sunday, we'll see heavy rain with very windy conditions. Areas that are closer to the Strait of Georgia as well as Boundary Bay. We'll see some of those winds pick up between 15, potentially up to 70 kilometers per hour. Rain continues through the day, a bit of a break in the action, and then we've got another round on Monday. Not a complete washout for Halloween, but I'll have that coming up in just a moment. Rainfall amounts 15 up to 70 millimeters. It's the higher amounts along the North Shore Mountains that we'll be watching, between 80 and up to 100 millimeters. We'll see that for the western edge of the island and potentially along the central coast as well. Winds will be a big weather story that we're following, but not a complete washout for our trick-or-treaters. More coming up very shortly. Sarah? Okay, here we go again. Thanks so much, Yvonne. We'll see you soon. The seventh straight week of demonstrations against the Iranian regime prompted thousands of Canadians to join hands, literally, in a different type of protest that stretched across the country and parts of the world today. A human chain spanned the Lionsgate Bridge in Vancouver as demonstrators stood in solidarity with their counterparts in Iran, subject to a brutal and deadly crackdown. Travis Prasad reports. It's hard to miss this protest. Thousands of people lining the Lionsgate Bridge, many waving the flag of their home country, Iran. Their mission is clear to see. We're doing this to bring justice eventually back to Iran. Women's rights, humans rights. A call for women's equality among the many chants heard along the bridge. Last month, 22-year-old Masa Amini died in the custody of Iran's morality police. Her death sparking an uprising against the Iranian regime. This is our George Floyd moment. This is the catalyzing event to lead to the changes that we enjoy here, back there. We want secular democracy back home. It's one of several protests across Canada on Saturday, including one in Ottawa, attended by the Prime Minister. The demonstrations are organized by the families of passengers aboard Ukraine Airlines Flight 752. In January of 2020, the plane was shot down by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. 176 people died, including Vahid Imami's wife, daughter, and brother and sister-in-law. I'm so emotional because I see that people come and supporting us today. And uh, uh, we want to be the voice of Iranian people. We want to say that uh, uh, this government is not uh, representative of Iranian people. Protesters are calling on Canada and all other Western nations to sever all ties with the Islamic Republic. We all escaped the same oppression that we're seeing happen year after year to people on a regular basis. They say now is the time to break that cycle so the next generation can live freely. Travis Prasad, Global News. Prince Rupert, RCMP, are warning the public about a convict who is unlawfully at large, potentially in Metro Vancouver or in northern B.C. tonight. 30-year-old Cameron James Lowe is accused of escaping lawful custody after allegedly failing to report to his halfway house in Vancouver on Tuesday. He is now the subject of a public safety notice. It's believed Lowe may have returned to northern B.C., where he has an extensive criminal history in Prince Rupert, including convictions for assault, causing bodily harm, and aggravated assault.
Lowe is considered dangerous and should not be approached. If you do see him, call police. And RCMP in Richmond have issued a public warning after a woman was groped at a bus stop this weekend. It happened just after 6 o'clock this morning in the 7600 block of Abercrombie Drive. The victim told police she saw a man she didn't know walking westbound and as he passed her, he groped her. She screamed and ran away to another bus stop on number 3 road without looking back. Her attacker never said a word. The suspect is thought to be around 30 years old with short, curly blonde hair. Another scary and reckless close call on a BC highway, all the fault of a careless trucker, was caught on dash cam this week. Take a look at what could have been an awful crash right here. The encounter was captured Tuesday night on the Trans-Canada Highway near Sycamus. You can see the driver of one semi-truck coming straight for another one on the wrong side of a very slick road. The driver of the semi recording the footage had to swerve quickly into the left lane to avoid a collision. It's unclear what happened to that other semi or any other vehicles in its path after it passed. We now know the cause of an explosion that injured more than two dozen people in Comox nearly a year ago. An excavator hitting a gas line. The blast happened at CFB Comox last November. 28 people were injured. One of them was hospitalized. A report from Technical Safety BC says an excavator struck an exposed underground gas line while a new perimeter drain around a military barracks building was being installed. Gas escaped into the building and contacted an ignition source, resulting in a large explosion. The barracks, which was under renovation, had its walls, roof and windows blown out. Its second story floor also partially collapsed. The explosion did not damage any aircraft or flight infrastructure. Next on the news hour, salmon spawning success. We weren't very hopeful that salmon were going to have an opportunity to come back. The coho that could, the steady stream of salmon defying the odds this spawning season. The good news story coming up after the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. There has been growing concern from experts and environmentalists alike about the state of the province's salmon population this spawning season, especially given the recent extended drought in many parts of B.C. But it turns out there is some reason for optimism, given the late start to our storm season. Paul Johnson now with a good news story. By Saturday, there were so many spawning coho below the hatchery at Noons Creek in Port Moody. You could just dip a net in for an up-close look. The trails nearby were busy with families coming to watch the majestic autumn ritual. We weren't very hopeful that salmon were going to have an opportunity to come back. That record-breaking stretch of late summer weather and drought had many worried about the state of our local salmon runs. With a biological clock that dictates when they leave the ocean to spawn, Thousands of fish died elsewhere on the coast when they swam up streams that had gone dry. So we were here just a couple of weeks ago. This area was completely dry. There was no way salmon were getting up the creek. At the same time, you could see out in Burrard Inlet that they were jumping. 
They were out there waiting for the conditions to change, and there was some concern about whether they could make it. They were just holding, holding in the ocean and in the inlet, waiting for conditions to improve. Well, it's too soon to tell how the drought affected the local returns. The picture so far is one of resilience. There were some rare reports of sea lions in Burrard Inlet before the rains came, possibly feasting on those stranded salmon. But some of the returns in the smaller urban creeks look good. And because of the quick change in conditions, there's lots of places right now where you can get out and see it. Salmon are back and people are um, posting on social about salmon sightings and, and what they're seeing. So that's a, definitely a good news story. Watching the completion of the circle of life, one of the privileges of living near the B.C. coast. In Port Moody, Paul Johnson, Global News. Residents of a seniors complex in Naramata have gone green all while saving money. A new solar system has been installed in their building to help cut the cost of their monthly utility bills. And as Jaden Wozni reports today, they officially flipped the switch. Solar energy is one of the cleanest energy sources on the planet. The Naramata Senior Housing Society sees both the environmental and financial benefits of solar power, officially unveiling their solar net metering system to the public. So during the summer months, uh, when sun in the Okanagan is plentiful, we'll generate power and get credits from Fortis, BC. In the off-season, when the sun is not so prevalent, we'll use those credits to offset the power demands of the centre for the full year, basically. Residents at the fourplex are responsible for paying for their own heating and electricity, and the new solar system is already helping cut down those costs. Uh, one of our residents mentioned the other day that his summer bills were zero all summer and building credits for the winter as well. So that really offsets the energy costs for seniors who are obviously on fixed income and so on and so forth. Boudelier says if it wasn't for the community's support, this facility would have never been built and many seniors would have had to relocate. Members of the community would come out, swing shovels, hammers, paintbrushes, uh, when the construction was underway, they provided financial support. Uh, $220,000 worth of bonds were sold in the community. So this project was virtually built by the hands of the community. The company that installed the solar system, Skyfire Energy, is also set to develop the Summerland Solar and Storage Project, which is scheduled to get underway in 2023. Jaden Wozni, Global News, Naramata. As the Festival of Lights draws to a close, NDP MLAs hosted a Diwali celebration in Surrey today. We are truly blessed to live in the most beautiful country. The Grand Taj Banquet Hall was packed to mark the end of the five-day celebration with delicious food, sweets, and a side of politics. As society continues to open up, as pandemic measures ease, attendees were happy to see each other again face-to-face -face in a larger community gathering. Now, finally, I think we are able to open up and able to meet each other and in person and, uh, I think, share our stories, our challenges of the past, the successes of the past, and I think what we do now in order to uh, just uh, to have a colorful celebrations that we always wanted to enjoy, and finally, it's happening. Coming up, the death toll continues to climb in the aftermath of a stampede in South Korea. More than 140 people killed and dozens injured in a Halloween weekend tragedy. The ongoing rescue efforts and what sparked the deadly surge. That's after the break. In South Korea, at least 146 people are dead and more than 150 are injured. After a crowd surge in the country's capital and a warning, some of the footage you're about to see is graphic. Oh my God. 
Local media reports say there were as many as 100,000 people in the narrow streets of Seoul's nightlife district celebrating Halloween. People were crushed as the crowd began pushing forward into an alley amid reports of a celebrity sighting at a local bar. Dozens of bodies were placed on the streets under tarps before being taken to a nearby gym to be identified. More than 800 emergency responders have been deployed from across the country to treat the injured. The death toll is expected to rise as many among the injured are in critical condition. Already the stampede is among one of the deadliest in recent years. The deadline for Crown to appeal the sentence of Astrid Dahl is quickly approaching. Dahl is the neglectful caregiver who was handed a conditional sentence to be served in the community for her role in the death of Florence Gerard, a woman with Down syndrome who died of malnourishment under Dahl's care. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the victim's loved ones want jail time. Florence Gerard weighed just 50 pounds when she died of starvation. The 54-year-old had Down syndrome and was in the care of Astrid Dahl, who was recently convicted of failing to provide the necessaries of life and given a conditional sentence. The victim's sister says she has written to Crown Counsel asking for an appeal. Crown hasn't responded. At all? Not at all. Obviously the courts don't care. It's Probation and a curfew is ridiculous. My sister starved to death. Gerard died at Dahl's Port Coquitlam home in 2018, following years of neglect. When our officers arrived to this call of a sudden death, there was no indication of trauma or abuse. However, there was an indication that the victim had not received the care that she required. The official cause of death, as determined by the coroner, was malnourishment and starvation. Florence Gerard lived with Dahl for about eight years, part of a residential home sharing agreement overseen by the nonprofit Kinsight Community Society. Sharon Bercy says the sentencing sends a troubling message. That they don't matter. They're disposable. Can't see them. Can't hear them. They're not there. And a slap on the wrist is, is not going to cut it. Everybody knows there's no deterrence. There's no vindication for my sister or anybody else that's in care. Sharon Bercy says it's too late to save her sister, but she's vowing to do whatever she can to prevent others from experiencing such a devastating loss. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. In health matters, hundreds of thousands of British Columbians have taken advantage of free flu shots that are available as we enter sixth season. The Ministry of Health says more than 630,000 people have received an influenza shot in the first 17 days of the province's immunization campaign. That is the highest number on record in that time frame of just over two weeks. About 43% of British Columbians also received their COVID-19 booster at the same time. The province is currently offering a free flu shot to anyone six months of age and up. By sharp contrast, the uptake one province east for the flu vaccine is lower than in previous years so far this season. Alberta Health says in the first week of that province's campaign, just under 300,000 doses were administered. That's a coverage rate of about 6.7%. Simultaneously, while vaccine uptake is slow, flu cases are up compared to the last couple of years. Alberta Health says the province has recorded more than 130 lab-confirmed cases of the flu so far this season, with more than 20 patients hospitalized. No deaths have been reported. The flu vaccine is also free to all Albertans six months of age and older. 
Today is World Stroke Day, dedicated to raising awareness of the signs of stroke and the need for timely access to quality care. On average, more than 110 million people worldwide have experienced a stroke. And for those who do, every second afterwards is critical to preserving brain cells. Doctors say on average, roughly 2 million brain cells die every minute following a stroke and that early symptom detection is the key to minimizing damage. Common warning signs of a potential stroke include numbness or drooping of the face, arm weakness, and slurred speech. Coming up, giving black-owned businesses a boost. Beautiful black women coming to showcase their products and services and also to showcase their talents. We'll take you to the expo that's all about black entrepreneurs who are women with networking, funding, and exposure at the forefront. That's after the break. Stay with us. Well, any entrepreneur will tell you creating a business is no small or easy feat at the best of times, even with connections and without barriers. That's part of the reason why today a brand new expo opened its doors aimed at giving businesses owned by black women a boost. Julia Foy was there. I will throw this onto chicken wings. Oh my gosh. There were condiments made with tastes from Africa. It's ketchup you put on everything that you eat. <laughs> Dozens of entrepreneurs gathered Saturday to showcase their wares at the inaugural Black Women's Business Network Expo. A lot of them are here because they're pursuing their passions. It's not just a side hustle. It's dreams that they've nurtured, they've nursed for a while. And so they're, they're birthing that dreams. They're making that dreams. They're making those dreams become reality. Suli created the network when she realized there were plenty of talented women in her community who needed to be seen by a wider audience. We're creating a space for these women to connect with one another and also meet other people that might take them to the next level. One real estate consultant wants to inspire black women to explore the industry. I would say that 99% of the rooms that I walk into, I am the only black person, not to mention black female. So there isn't any representation for ourselves out there. The expo was sponsored in part by the UBC Alumni Association, and workshops were held to outline grants and funding available from the Canadian government. But they say, reach out to us. You can contact us, email us, ask questions. We'll walk you through. So that was great to know that we are not alone. The Black Women Business Network would welcome companies who would like to support their entrepreneurs with mentorship or partnerships. Whether we're talking hand-painted handbags, jewelry, or spicy sauces, the advice is the same. I'd say take the plunge. You will not regret it. Julia Foy, Global News. <laughs> a great event and a good day to be inside for it too, Yvonne, considering the weather and the rain. Yes, and we are tracking this next atmospheric river that is going to pack quite the punch, especially for coastal areas. A heads up, we've got a few showers that are already starting to push in. We're seeing it across the island, but the bulk of the moisture and the heaviest rain is going to start to pick up overnight and take us in towards our Sunday morning. If you're heading out the door early, you'll see that heavy rain with very gusty winds. Now, here's the atmospheric river. There's that plume of moisture just um, funneling in that rainfall from the tropics, and what we're going to see is the following areas. Coastal areas will have the higher amounts of rainfall, especially along the western edge of the island. Similar for the central coast, the north coast inland could even see that potential between 50 and up to 70. Most areas across the island between 40 and 50 inland. It's higher amounts along the North Shore Mountains. We'll see 80 and up to 100 millimeters. And most areas for the lower mainland between 50 and 70. But do keep that in mind. It'll be rainfall heavy at times, continuing through the day, paired with very windy conditions. It's similar to what we were tracking on Thursday and those winds
closer to the Strait of Georgia and into Boundary Bay could be southerly, 50 sustained and gusts of up to 70 kilometers per hour. Higher amounts will see that on this rain forecast as well as right along the North Shore Mountains, extending in towards the Tri-City, upwards of 70 millimeters for a few spots near Burnaby and Coquitlam will be included within that. Now, the northern half of the province with the wet and windy conditions, do keep in mind there is a little bit of instability along the coast. We could even see that risk of thunderstorms popping up through the day and very windy for areas inland tomorrow between 40 with gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour. A bit of a break though for the northeastern corners of the province. It'll just be a chance of showers for much of the central interior. Southern interior through the day for traveling along the mountain passes we could still see a few wet flurries that'll be near the summit. Chance of showers will be through the day and then heavier rainfall is going to push in towards the evening hours and then taper off as we get in towards our Monday. Whistler with the rainfall highs tomorrow up to 9 degrees. All areas across the island it'll be wet and windy and Upwards of 100 millimeters is possible along the western edge of the island. Inland tomorrow, Port Alberni up to 11. And across the lower mainland, it'll be a soggy one through the day. Areas near Boundary Bay, so a heads up. We could see those winds with gusts of up to 70 kilometers per hour. Sarah, I had to include this. This is the creation. I don't know what we're saying. The monster, the creation. But this is just a look ahead for Halloween. Be prepared. We're still a couple of days out. We could see the chance of showers for trick-or-treating hours and towards the evening. We've got rainfall so far. That looks to be on our Monday. So a heads up for for Halloween trick-or-treaters so far plan for a chance of showers a nice break will be on the way for our Wednesday so far Sarah okay I like the dancing Frankenstein yeah we'll bring them up tomorrow again. <laughs> <laughs> thanks about sounds good here's a story a lot of us can likely relate to are you worried you may be coming addicted to your phone if so you're in good company but there is hope in breaking the cycle from Facebook to TikTok to Instagram to Twitter the number of social media platforms keeps growing, and with it, the amount of time people spend on them. I'm hitting six, sometimes seven hours just checking throughout the day. Initially designed to increase connections, social media is now having the opposite effect. More users report developing addictions. You might seriously need to consider doing a dopamine detox. Maritza Artola is a digital marketer, her family calling her out. My daughter started pointing it out to me, and she would grab my phone to get my attention and that really like that that's just like that really put it in perspective for me I'm like this is too much the average daily time spent on social media has increased 63 percent since 2012 according to an internet tracking site so i definitely saw my my usage go up every year um to the point where uh you know last year i think it was like five hours a day on my phone when virtually everything is online these days, from school to work to doctor's appointments, it can be hard, but not impossible to unplug. I am going to show you how to invest in the stock market. Nate O'Brien is a popular YouTuber who makes videos on personal finance. Every two, three minutes, I would just be getting a buzz on my phone and I'd say, okay, well, what's this? It might be something important. I have to look. Oh, it's just a Twitter notification, but oh, you know, it's kind of funny. And then I click on it and then I end up in this social media vortex and I'm just in it. Suddenly 45 minutes go by. Experts recommend doing a digital detox where you intentionally reduce or completely disconnect from your devices for a period of time. It can be as little as an hour, one day a week or more. I've been training myself now where I'll go days without using my phone and I've, I've gotten very good at it. But initially when I tried doing that, it was it was tough and it was like I would always be reaching for it. Maritza feels she can't completely detox, but is trying to wean off, trying to replace screen time in the morning with things like meditation. I am a firm believer in taking small steps because I believe that leads to you know, sustainable changes instead of just saying like, not to do, uh, not to check your phone at all, maybe replace it with something else too, another activity. 
Okay, I'm definitely among one of those people. <laughs> What's the definition of addiction? Under 12 exactly. hours? Over 12 hours a exactly. day? Exactly. How are we I don't want to check this? those stats on my phone. <laughs> I want to know. Um, I was just actually checking on the Canucks highlights from last yeah, night. Yeah, well, a good game, a finally. A little bit of daylight in their lives all of a sudden <laughs> after uh, a couple of weeks of darkness. Back-to-back -back wins. Very impressive last night against the Penguins. And uh, reinforcements are on the way. Some of the injured should be back for their next game on Tuesday. So we'll update all of that when we come back. Okay, fingers crossed. Thanks, Barry. Coming up, calls for systemic change in Canada's healthcare system. I really felt like my issues didn't matter and I didn't feel confident in making a decision about a life-changing surgery. Flagging inequities among patients and the care they receive. The new data on race and growing demands for change. That's after the break. Well, bias and systemic discrimination are prominent in Canada's healthcare system, all too often robbing patients of color of quality care. That's according to the country's foremost medical journal, which released the first edition of its anti-black racism series this week, highlighting papers by black authors. As Jamie Marocker reports, experts say it's a small step towards more equitable care. When breast cancer patient Michelle O'Dwyne made the decision to have a double mastectomy, she expressed some concerns specific to the color of her skin, but no doctor, she says, could answer her questions. I really felt like my issues didn't matter. The fact that I didn't see myself in this space and my questions weren't being addressed uh, led to a depression. O'Dwyne's story is one that plays out every day in Canada's healthcare system. Part of the problem, experts say, is a lack of space for research and data published by black educators and practitioners. Dr. Omi Sheree Dryden pushed for change in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Up until just recently, the CMAJ had not published black researchers. CMAJ doesn't have exact numbers on representation as it doesn't require submitting authors to disclose race or ethnicity. Dryden says highlighting the issues in a special series helps bring attention to the large scope of anti-black racism in healthcare. The stereotypes lead to exacerbating our overall healthcare, lead to uh, a delay in seeking health interventions, and can lead to earlier death. Um, and poor outcomes. One article noted barriers to black patients in cancer screening programs. Another showed mortality from certain cancers are higher in black patients than white. In Canada, it's difficult to measure the impact because registries don't routinely collect race data. The U.S. and U.K. do. O'Dwayne, who was initially told she had early-stage breast cancer, says she had to push for more tests, only to be re-diagnosed with stage 4. It has to move beyond symbolic posturing or performative measures. It has to be systemic change. Change that could mean the difference between life and death. Jamie Marocker, Global News. After the break, Barry's back with highlights from last night's desperately needed Connect Win Plus. It is a spooky season. Get ready for a thrill this Halloween weekend. We'll tell you where this is happening in just a few minutes. Head to the Queen Elizabeth Theatre for Jesus Christ Superstar. Join Broadway across Canada in celebrating the 50th anniversary of the iconic show. Be there for a new mesmerizing production appealing to both theatre audiences and concert music fans. Join Surrey Hospital's foundation and over 600 community leaders and medical luminaries for the 6th annual Celebration of Care Gala. A Sweet Escape is a fanciful and magical event guaranteed to surprise and indulge your senses. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman.
If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Uh, welcome back. Bay Delay is back. Mm -hmm. It is the weekend of the undead, which is actually fitting because the Canucks are undead. <laughs> and they're not, but they're not playing this weekend. <laughs> but they're not That's playing, right. unfortunately. They're Last rising night, rising from the dead. Mm -hmm. Don't count them out. The season's <laughs> but ten percent over. All right, thanks, Sarah. All of a sudden, the Canucks look and I think feel like a different team after posting back-to-back -back wins versus Seattle and then impressively last night versus Pittsburgh. They're off now until Tuesday when they host New Jersey, and they're hoping they could have some injured players back in the lineup, namely Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser, and I would expect the newest Canuck, Ethan Bear, will also play. So that's encouraging, but uh, last night was really encouraging against a good Penguins team. Spencer Martin showed he should be an option on a few more nights this year. He was excellent last night. Thatcher Demko's been pretty average so far. Martin Kearley save off Ricard Raquel. And the Canucks keep it scoreless. They did get one on the power play to make it one nothing in the first and then early second on the power play. A quick up to Bo Horvat who fires the rocket wrister past Tristan Jari, the Delta native, 2-0 Canucks. Third period, now 2-1. Andre Kuzmenko with the high tip on the Luke Shen shot. 3-1 Vancouver. Kuzmenko up to three goals now, and they're not done yet. Oliver ekman Larson shot deflected in by Bo Horvat. Second of the game, sixth of the year for the captain. 5-1 final. They're now 2-5-2 and, and starting to feel much better about themselves. You know, a lot more energy, obviously, the smiles on their faces. And, um, but, I mean... You know, we we, we got to dig ourselves out of a hole here. Uh, obviously, we, we put ourselves in this situation, and um, you know we got to come out and, and you know just because we won two games, we can't be satisfied. We just got to keep going here. You know, it's two games, but I mean, you could tell uh, it was like the weight of the world was lift, lifted off our shoulders, quite frankly, because every other third period has been like, uh oh, what's going to happen? That's negative, and I think once we got through the first three minutes, and it was like, okay, let's go, and everybody just played, and uh, uh, and. I, th I thought it was really good. It was. It, I think confidence is an amazing um, thing, and you, when you don't have it, it kills you. When you have it, it's uh, it's really good, and, and it looks like we're gaining a little bit right now. I mean, we're not out of the woods. We're two and five, but I mean, uh, we're better than we were a week ago. Now, the Abbotsford Canucks played their home opener last night against San Diego. Crowd of over 6,500. Newly acquired Kyle Rao finishing off the pretty two-on-one with Linus Carlson. Two-nothing early. Rao will then connect for his second of the night. Uh, baby Canucks had a big first period. Four-nothing they led after one. Will Lockwood back in Abbotsford after spending a few days with the big club. Shorthanded breakaway. He will fire in his second of the game as the Abbotsford Canucks win 7-3. Same two teams tonight, 7 o'clock. We'll have highlights at 11. The Lions lost their season finale 24-9 last night in Winnipeg, but the game meant absolutely nothing. They would rather save that road victory in Winnipeg for the Western Final two weeks from now. Job one last night was to get through the game injury-free and give star quarterback Nathan Rourke some snaps to shake the rust after missing nine weeks with a foot injury. Rourke looked pretty good at times. Missed a few throws, but that's to be expected. But everyone was pleased he got back into some live game action. The plan, just to play Nathan a few series, and he started well, made some nice throws, good accuracy here, what we've come to expect. And, hey, it's a very physical game. Passed the test of taking some big hits, got punished here. Now he's looking for a hand up from the bomber guy who just threw him to the ground. But no, he had enough. Sit down, kid. 
<laughs> not from the Bombers. Work was 7 of 11 for 68 yards. But as you can see here, a little rusty, but he got through the game. He will start next Sunday versus Calgary in the West Semi. Here's Coach Campbell addressing his team after their last regular season game. It's a hell of a regular season. Uh, home playoff game, all those things. So give yourselves a round of applause for that. So use these next three days to get rested and get ready to go to, to do about this journey that we're about to go on. So take advantage of the three days, treatments every day, all those things. I hope this lingers, this game, I hope it lingers for about 10 minutes maximum, and then I hope you get a smile on your face and get ready for next week, because next week is going to be fun. New season. We all good? You guys get a break? We'll pack up and we'll head west. Montreal's Felix Auger-Aliassime has found a new gear in his tennis game. Felix has won his last two tournaments in Italy and Belgium, and today at the Swiss Indoor in Basel, Felix extended his career-high win streak to 12 matches by spanking world number one Carlos Alcaraz in straight sets to advance to his third straight final. Felix has never lost to Alcaraz, just beat him at Davis Cup last month. Counting today, he's now 3-0 against the Spanish teenage sensation. Felix has been serving out of his mind this week, has not been broken once. This is one of his nine aces. Then on set point, another big serve will set up the put away at net. So it's six games to three to Felix to take the opening set. Second set, Alcaraz just no answers. Felix showing off that amazing athleticism. He's really starting to put it all together. Full stretch here on the baseline. Flicks the forehand winner down the line. Felix broke Alcaraz three times in this match. There's no doubt at age 22, Aliasim is playing the best tennis of his career. Beautiful work at the net here to put away another point. And Felix rolls past Alcaraz in just 80 minutes, 6-3, 6-2. Goes for his third straight tournament win tomorrow in the final versus Holger Runa of Denmark. Meanwhile, in Austria, Toronto's Denis Shapovalov in the semifinals of the Vienna Open against Boran Choric of Croatia. First set was tight, went to a tie break, but Denis came up with some great shots, including this beautiful one-handed backhander of his, rips it down the line, took that tie break 7-4. Second set, Shapo hit the gas pedal. Check out the angle here of the inside-out forehand, just too good. Shapovalov jumped out for love in that second set and did not give Chorich any hope of a comeback. A big serve here, followed by the forehand winner and Denis Shapovalov into the final in Vienna. So get up two Canadian titles tomorrow. Shapo will meet top seed Daniel Medvedev in the title match. English Premiership Spurs at Burnmouth. Harry Kane side down 2-0 in the second half, but rally thanks to some perfect set plays off the corner kick. Ben Davies elevates, heads it in to make it 2-all, and then in stoppage time, this is their 20th corner of the match. They strike again. This time, Rodrigo Bentoncourt cleans up the loose ball in the box, and Spurs win 3-2. They're now third with 26 points. Man City won earlier to move into first ahead of Arsenal, who play tomorrow. Game two of the World Series from Houston. Phillies won the opener 6-5 in 10 innings last night. Philly had to rally from 5-0 down to win. They'll need to rally again tonight. Astros struck for three in the first. Jordan Alvarez with a double off the wall and left scores a run. And the updated score now 3-0 Houston. They are in the fifth. Back to the NHL, Florida Panthers hosting uh, Alex Barkov, and, uh, or Alex Barkov and the Panthers hosting Ottawa. Sens were down 2-0 after the first, but got two quick ones to start the second. This laser by Brady Kachuk ties it 2-2. Third period now 3-3, under four to go. Brandon Montour off the feed from Barkov with the game winner. 
as the Panthers beat the young Senators by the final of 5-3. And wanted to show you this, Buchanan Cup basketball between Simon Fraser and UBC at War Memorial Gym last night. Great atmosphere, packed house. David Penny with the deep three led SFU with 17. Red Leafs led by four after three, but back come UBC. Jack Cruz Dumont with the steal and layup. UBC outscored SFU 27-17 in the fourth. James Woods then with a nice little hesitation and will lay it in. He had 16 and UBC wins the trophy back. They win the Buchanan Cup 79-73 over Simon Fraser. Lots of good energy from the student body uh -huh. last night at a UBC. Good rivalry for yes, sure. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Way to go, guys. After the break, we're getting in the Halloween spirit. Get ready for a real thrill. Just after the break. Thrill. Welcome back. Okay, it is Halloween Eve Eve. <laughs> Tonight's a big one for partiers, but they may be getting soggy if they're outside. Yvonne has a quick look at our forecast for this spooky Saturday before <laughs> we go, Yvonne. Yeah, for those who are out and about this evening, it's going to be a soaker, but it's really going to be late evening. And then as we get in towards the morning hours for tomorrow, so a heads up, it'll be windy for areas that are closer to the water. So we are going to see a soaker for Sunday. Bit of a break on the way, hopefully by Monday evening for the trick-or-treaters. So far, calling for a chance of showers for Monday night. Okay, fingers crossed we're looking at Monday, <laughs> hoping it's dry. Fingers crossed. What's everyone going as? Barry, what are you going as? Uh, I'm going to go as a weathercaster. Oh, oh nice. Excellent. I'm going as a weathercaster too. Yeah, I'm going to go as a sportscaster. <laughs> I'm dressing like a Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we leave you tonight with scenes from the streets of Kelowna where zombies took over today as the iconic thriller song and dance took over parks and parking lots across the planet. It's part of a movement called Thrill the World. Just a couple of nights before Halloween, we leave you tonight with the dancing of the undead. Have a great night. We'll see you right back here at 11.